The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on Mitchell's Front Page, On the Road with Toby Hagan. Good morning to you, Toby. How are you? Morning, Mitchell. Very well, thank you. Well, talk to us about the new Ford Ranger. Look, big deal for Ford. I mean, if you look at ute sales in Australia, uh, the top two selling utes comfortably are the Toyota Hilux and Ford Ranger, and the Ranger these days makes up, uh, you know, 70 75% of Ford Australia's sales. So Ford has now released the details and images of the all-new Ford Ranger. It won't be on sale in Australia until mid-next year, but basically they're starting up the hype now to uh, to try and ready people for that, that crucial new model. Um, some pretty bold styling that sort of uh, borrows from the uh, the previous, or the sorry, the current Ford F-150, the larger ute that they sell in, in America. Uh, so really distinctive front end on it with quite a blocky sort of nose, but it's still got some interesting, uh, interesting, I guess, previous generation or current generation range of styling cues in it as well. So, um, so the significance of this car, it has been designed and engineered uh, in Australia, so it is pretty much an Australian creation, albeit one that has been tested around the world. Um, it's going to have a V6 diesel engine for the first time. So uh, stepping up the performance, they haven't uh, haven't told us the performance figures on that car yet, other than to say it will effectively be in another class. So I think you can comfortably assume probably more than 200 kilowatts of power and obviously a fair bit more torque than the, the current crop of utes. So I guess they're trying to sort of reposition this uh, this ute and step it up a little bit from, from where it is today, even though it's already got an extremely good reputation to try and push it forward a little bit more. So it's... Um, so, as I said, very important car on sale in uh, in a bit over six months. Is the Toyota Hilux still the car to beat when it comes to the ute space? Yeah, sort of. I mean, Hilux, yes, has outsold the Ranger for, for how... Uh, well, constantly, for, for many, many years. But um, but uh, in, in some months, Ford outsells the uh, the Toyota Hilux. Uh, but the two, if you if you break down their sales, the two are very different. So four-wheel drive sales, for example, I guess the dual-cab four-wheel drives, which is where a lot of this growth in the ute market has been, Ford often dominates that, typically leads that in terms of the uh, the four-wheel drive models. Um, Toyota is extremely strong in the more affordable end of the market at the, the budget-priced, um, tradey-focused utes um, uh, that, that can sell for less than $30,000. So Toyota is very, very strong in them. Ford basically doesn't play in that section of the market. Um, they're trying to aim for the uh, the more expensive and that uh, that more sort of, I guess, multi-purpose vehicle that uh, that a lot of people are using utes for these days. So, so yeah, tale of uh, two different vehicles, but, um, you know, Ford still with this new model is going to focus more on that uh, that top end of the market. And, um, and you know, as I said, the, the car itself on paper seems to have a fair bit of substance. I've seen it in the flesh too. We went to a, uh, a review of it the other day, uh, the, the Global Review, which they, they sort of coordinated around the world with various um, uh, online feeds and so on. And uh, we also got access to talk to some of the designers and, and engineers that made it happen. So uh, Max Wolf, for example, is um, is the head of Ford Australia's design, and he's got almost 200 people working for him. So the Ford Australia team uh, that are creating these cars, it's, it's about 2,000 people. So while we don't have manufacturing in Australia... We do have a very strong design and engineering base with some brands, including Ford, to the point where I believe at the moment 
Ford actually has more people working on this current, or had more people working on this current Ranger than they ever did back in the Falcon days when they were doing the Falcon in Australia. So again, while we're not actually manufacturing the cars here, still having a pretty big input into uh, some pretty important vehicles. And is that higher end of the market, the sort of dual cab four-wheel drive purchaser? Is it uh, someone that maybe tends to have a family that wants to use the ute on the weekends, maybe go off-road, throw surfboards in the back, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the prime markets for those uh, those people who use them for, for work and play. Um, you've obviously still got a tradie element as well. I mean, the, tr- the trades people still still obviously use utes, and they, they a lot of them will will also double those utes up as their family vehicles. Um, you're also getting a lot of people these days, you know, grey nomads who selling up the house and, and heading on the big uh, dream trip around the country and uh, buying a ute to drag a caravan or just go exploring. So there's a whole range of people, but you're right in terms of the uh, uh, that sort of family person who wants a, uh, an adventure machine to, uh, to go surfing, to go um, to go off-roading in, whatever it might be. So it's a, uh, it's a real lifestyle choice for a lot of people. And I think that the big thing you're noticing with a lot of these newer utes is where utes really jag, drag the, tra- the chain in terms of, um, of safety features and interior presentation and so on, they're really stepping that up. We've seen the, the safety, the basic safety features in utes now getting pretty close to passenger car levels. Um, we, what we, have, we haven't necessarily seen is the, the connectivity, the technology, the in-cabin presentation has typically been a little way behind and, that, and this Ranger does step that up enormously. So they've got quite a large touchscreen in the centre of the car, like it dominates the, uh, the whole uh, centre console. They're going to have over-the-air software updates for it. Um, they've got a lot of connectivity and so on in there. So, And, and the finishes and materials have really uh, lifted those to another level as well. So it's an enormous step up for uh, for utes. I mean, the big unknown at the moment is pricing. And, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be stunned if they didn't want to edge the prices up a little bit just mm. because of uh, it looks like where they're trying to position it. But if they can get the offering right, then uh, it could potentially do pretty well for them. Now, the limousine is set to change. Do you think Lexus has got a bit of an innovation that could change uh, the high? Car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, I guess, if you think of your classic limousine, it's it's typically a sedan and a fairly large one at that, with sprawling leg space and so on. We've seen in recent years a lot of uh, a lot of people shift to uh, to SUVs. A lot of um, a, a lot of uh, limousine operators shift to those SUVs uh, as a more sort of viable choice and, and crucially a choice that's probably more appealing on the used car market because often you see these limousines hit the used car market and they're not really worth too much whereas an SUV obviously has more appeal with families and so on. But yeah, Lexus is looking to step it up even further with its LX off-roader. Now the LX is effectively a reskinned version of the Toyota Land Cruiser, so it's got the, the proven Toyota Land Cruiser mechanicals underneath, but a, uh, a very bold and distinctive Lexus design on top. And uh, they're talking of bringing in not only a five- and seven-seat version, which is what they've got today, but also a four-seater version. So basically taking out that middle centre seat in the back and uh, replacing it with a uh, quite a, an elaborate uh, armrest sort of setup with with screens and so on, and effectively having the limousine uh, seats either side in, in the rear as well. So it's got all the uh, the limousine, uh, I guess, features and, and fanciness of the LS limousine that that, uh, that Lexus already has, but they've piled it all into the LX, and that's going to be on sale in Australia next year. Um, but yeah, look, quite an interesting one. I mean, uh, you know, obviously. A taller car, a higher car, you've got to sort of step into it to, uh, uh, or step up into it to, to get in there, but then you'll have decent vision, theoretically much better headroom as well than a regular limousine. 
And I think the real appeal, I mean, these these uh, high car operators can potentially run these cars for three, four, five years, put on the big kilometres that they do. It might have three or 400,000 Ks on it by the time they're finished, but there'll still be a strong market for that car at the end of that uh, the end of that run. I mean, people love old Land Cruisers today. They love the uh, the ability to get out and explore with them. They've got a reputation for going on forever. So um, I suspect there'll be some limo operators who say, yeah, that'll do me. It's a, a nice sort of uh, middle ground. Now, while we're on Lexus, they've started to sell their first EV. First EV, yeah, the UX300E. So based on the regular UX, which is a compact SUV, but uh, all the oily bits are gone and electric motors or electric motor and, uh, and batteries and so on in there. It's taken Lexus a surprisingly long time to get the, get to this EV space. I mean, if you look at, I guess, that they have dominated the uh, the hybrid conversation when it comes to uh, to luxury vehicles. They've been extremely strong with uh, with hybrids, um, but they're one of the last luxury brands to offer an uh, an electric vehicle. So they've um, they've taken a long time. But uh, but yeah, this one's um, this one's here. Not not super cheap. You're looking at a starting price of around about eighty thousand dollars. Um, but it's got a bit of a trick up its sleeve in terms of what it offers you. So, so Lexus has a program called Lexus On Demand. It's part of the uh, the Encore Platinum program, their after-sales program that they offer to, to all their customers. Now, that Lexus On Demand is usually only, av- only available with the very expensive um, Lexus models, so like that LX we just talked about and the LS limousine and so on. And what it brings is things like um, you get uh, a certain number of um, uh, valet parking uh, options. So you, so during the first three years of ownership, you can valet park for for free at some outlets. Uh, you also get um, access to a fleet of petrol powered cars. So. I guess if you want to go and, uh, you know, if you're worried about the range of it, and it hasn't got a great range, it's as little as 305 kilometres of electric range in this car, but if you do want to do a longer trip, um, you can actually access this fleet of petrol-powered cars, including some pretty fancy ones, for up to uh, eight days at a time. So you can do that four times during the first three years of ownership and, uh, and jump into another car. So even if you're travelling interstate and you want to, uh, instead of hiring a car when you go on holidays, you can potentially just borrow one for, for that eight days and, and use that. But as I said, if you do want to go further, go to the snow or something and, uh, and you need a car for that, then you can also do that. So quite an interesting offering. It'll be interesting to see how many people that tempts into the car. I mean, as I said, the car itself isn't enormously... Um, uh, different to other EVs on the market. You've got 150 kilowatts of power, not uh, not out of control in terms of performance. The charging isn't uh, isn't as fast as some EVs, so there's nothing that really stands out other than that after-sales support. That's it, the car itself, very well presented, beautiful interior on it, and they've absolutely pumped it full of equipment. It's, it's uh, got all sorts of gear in there, heated, heated and cooled seats, for example, and um, and on the top one, it's got a sunroof and uh, and a 13-speaker Mark Levinson sound system, so really nice, crisp sound system on it. But, um, but yeah, the, I think the real appeal for a lot of people will be how you looked after once you buy it. That... Uh, after-sales program sounds quite expensive, though, when you think about all those benefits that it includes. But it's a good idea to maybe offer petrol cars just because it deals directly with that concern of range anxiety because it may only be a handful of times a year that you need to go into state or need to go into rural areas where you can't charge the car easily. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something, you know, you've seen a few outlets sort of look at that. BMW had previously talked about a similar sort of system in Australia of, uh, of giving people access to other vehicles. The challenge, obviously, is that, you know, I guess if you're looking at a compact SUV like that, there'd be some people who say, well, during the holiday periods, so, you know, around Christmas, for example, I might want to get a large SUV, but suddenly you're uh, you're fighting with elbows out against everyone else who also wants a large SUV. So it gets, maybe gets a little bit tricky to uh, to plan like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, um, certainly an innovative uh, sort of way to look at it. And, you know, the, um, the, other, the other aspect of all this, I guess, is that, you know, I guess someone who can afford an $80,000 SUV, compact SUV, is probably going to have another car in the garage somewhere, and that might be powered by petrol or diesel. So, so maybe they don't necessarily need that for around town. But, uh, as I said, it's an interesting way to look at it, and maybe some others will look at it in the future. And uh, last of all, you've been driving the new EV from Hyundai. I have, yeah, the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is, uh, so Hyundai's been pretty active in the EV space. They do a, well, they do a hydrogen fuel cell car, the Nexo. They've had various hybrids and full electric cars on sale for a number of years now. But this Ioniq 5 is the first car they've got, the first electric car they've got that has been designed from the ground up as an electric car. So it doesn't have any of the compromises that you get by utilising that uh, that, elect- uh, that petrol engine car architecture. So one of the things you notice, for example, you open the uh, the back doors, get into the, the back seat of it, it's got a completely flat floor. Instead of that hump you normally get in the uh, in the centre there for the, for the transmission uh, the transmission tunnel, as they call it, that doesn't exist on this car, so it's a completely flat floor. A surprising amount of space. I mean, when you look at this car in the images, it looks almost like a, a, a hatchback, a sort of crossover-style hatchback. But it's actually bigger than the uh, Hyundai Tucson, the mid-sized SUV, and the wheelbase, so the distance between the front and rear wheels is actually longer than a Toyota Land Cruiser. So it's a, quite a substantially sized car, and you get that when you're sitting in it. Um, really nice to drive in terms of performance. Even the, the single motor version has got a heap of grunt, so it's a really zipping little car. Uh, and you get the dual motor version, and that's um, that's genuinely quick performance. I mean, 0 to 100 in less than five seconds. So it's, uh, it's a very brisk car. Um, and they're throwing all the gear at it. The challenge, though, is actually getting hold of one. So the um, the the Ionic Five is they only they're only bringing out a few hundred this year. Uh, they're already sold out, so you, it's actually not on the Hyundai website anymore. As in, you can't just go and order one on there. You've got to go on a waiting list. And the prices were starting at about seventy six, seventy seven thousand dollars. So again, not super cheap, but um, but certainly, as I said, it's a, a surprising car and one that uh, that I think advances that EV game. Well, thank you very much for being on the program. We've got one more of these chats left for 2021, so looking forward to doing it with you in a couple of weeks' time. Sounds terrific. Thanks, Mitchell. Thank you, Toby Hagen, the editor of evcentral.com.au. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.